Welcome back, our twisted little friends. You are listening to Murder Maidens, a podcast dedicated to crimes committed by women. Your hosts are Monica, Robin, Sandy, and today's host is Robin. Yay! <laughs> Claps. Golf cat. Or no, we should do snaps. Snaps for snaps. Robin. Spirit fingers. <laughs> Jazz hands. <laughs> I don't know what jazz hands are. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, no, that like these. That's about right. These. Oh. So they're, 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 they're spirit basically fingers spirit to the side. Fingers spirit to the fingers side. to the side. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Wait, 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 wait. Ready? Superstar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, that's how I introduce myself. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so I just have to ask, are either of you consuming alcohol this evening? I'm yes. not. I am. Okay. Well, Sandy, you might want to. I'm trying to only drink one day a week. Why? I gotta lose some tub tub. What does that have to do with drinking alcohol? You yeah. drink seltzers. They have no carbs. I know. You know, if you just stop eating and just start drinking, you'll lose the weight. I know. <sighs> All right, I'm ready. Not really, but... No, you're not. You're not ready. Okay. So, this week we are going to delve into uh, the past. (laughs) (laughs) Can we we do the future? Can we do the future instead? I mean, we can. I want to go to the future. We could do an episode of Sandy as a future murder maiden. Oh, it's going down. (laughs) Uh, we are going to talk about one Rosemary West. Oh. I told yeah. you you're going to need a drink. Yeah. <laughs> it was only a matter of time before one of us covered her. We've talked yeah. about her enough. Yeah. I know. And you know what? I'm like, I'm going to do her because, you know, she's pretty, fa- like, not famous, but she's she, she's pretty well she's known. Well known and not, yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to do her. Well, let me tell you something. Yeah, it's not very good. No. One, it's not very good for my mental state. And number two, it took me a whole week and a half to do this goddamn research because <laughs> there is so much of it to go through. But we're going to, I don't know, we're going to get there. This is a lot of pages, okay? So buckle your seatbelts. Alrighty. So... Rosemary West was actually born Rose Mer- Rosemary. I don't know why I keep wanting to call her Rosemary. It is Rosemary. Let's um, in North Northam 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 Northam. I don't know. <laughs> One of those. Devon uh, to William Andrew Letts and Daisy Gwendolyn Fuller. Um, she was born on November 29th, 1953. Um, her mother went through a pretty difficult preg- uh, delivery and pregnancy. Um, and she was the fifth of seven children uh, born into like a lower class family. Um, her mother suffered from depression. Um, and while she was pregnant, she was actually given electroconvulsive therapy. Oh, shit. Um, and then some people said that, like, I guess it was never actually proven, but it could have caused fetal injury. 
Um, so maybe that has something to do with her choices in life. Who knows? Um, and then she received the last session of ECT just days before Rosemary, Rosemary's birth. Wow. And what was the reason for that? Because she, she suffered from depression. Just from depression. Just from depression. But this was back in the day. So yeah, this was in the true. 50s. So yeah. I was going to say, that was used if, for a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. It didn't matter. I mean, they were probably um, still doing lobotomies at that point for that depression. And... Yeah. that's. I mean, I wish they would do that on me some days. So <laughs> just waiting. Um, so... You know, she grew up. She was a pretty normal teenager um, for a girl. You know, she was moody. You know, know, pain in the ass. So a typical Uh, girl. Typical girl in teenage years. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm still like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She didn't do too very very well in school. Um, And as when she was a teenager, her parents did separate, which probably didn't help. You know, the situation. Um, she lived with her mother for a little while, for about six months, and then she moved in with her father when she was 16. Um, her father suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. Uh, he was a prone to extreme violence and repeatedly sexually abused Rose and her older sister, uh, Patricia. What yeah. a fucked up asshole. And at the onset of puberty, Rose reportedly fascinated by her developing body were, uh, would deliberately parade naked or semi-naked around the house in the presence of her younger brother, Graham. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like she's got like a lot of stuff stacked against her. Yeah, you know what she I mean? really does. She's had the, her, the cards were not dealt no. very no. well for her. Um. On numerous occasions at the age of 13, she would also creep into Graham's bedroom, who was nine at the time, and molest him and her youngest brother, Gordon. She also sexually assaulted Graham when he was 12 years old. So she's just repeating the cycle, like, early. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she's also get it. One, you know, she her developing body, so she's you know, she's kind of fascinated by that, and also her father, yeah, you know, sexually abused her. So in her mind, I don't think she's seen it as wrong, wrong. because yeah. it was happening to her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, now, Rose first met Fred West in early 1969, right after her 15th birthday. Uh, he was 27 at the time, and they met at a bus station in Sheltonham. You know, Fred was very unkempt, um, described as kind of a tramp, which I had to Google. Because <laughs> like in a, my mind, not, I'm thinking not, he's a hoe. No, no, no. It's no, not no. the same no. as our tramp. No. He, their tramp means kind of like a bum, bum someone yeah. who begs for money or work, you know, to so make him He's a catch. Yeah, I know. Which, by the it's way, this sh- is this is like in London, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, it's in the, the yeah, UK, it's in like the UK. Yeah, and um, you know, so originally she was kind of like repulsed and like put off by him because you know he's one twenty-seven and two, kind of not bummy, a keeper. Yeah, yeah he's a bummy. 
Um, but, you know, he continued to show her attention, continued to lavish her. Um, and so, obviously, as time went past, she became, like, flattered with um, him. You know, she had originally refused to date Fred. Um, but, you know, allowed him to accompany her home one day. Um, Fred then, in his stalkerish ways, figured out where she worked at a local bread shop. And then had someone else, a, sh a woman, walking down the street, go in and present her with a gift. And the woman said that some man outside asked me to give this to you. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, a couple minutes later, he went into the thing and asked her to go on a date that evening, and she finally said yes, after, you know, resisting his advances all this time. So this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> well, I will say, sometimes persist persistence is not always bad. I mean, in this case... I don't Jim. see it. He's also, she's also 15 Exactly. Let's 27. Just, like, I don't see it. But this is well also this, this is also like the sixties. So, but Jim was very yeah, sixty nine. Yeah, it was it was a little bit more okay back yeah. then. Yeah, that's true. Alrighty. So, um, you know, shortly after their date, they decided to start a relationship. Um, she frequented freak. She was a frequent visitor at his caravan park. <laughs> which is basically it's a trailer, a trailer park. park a trailer park yes but, but caravans and so much more i guess caravans is another name for a trailer basically yeah have um, you ever seen uh oh, oh what's the oh, what's the name of the movie brian watches it all the time with uh brad pitt oh, my box and uh he's looking for a caravan i don't know anyway never mind forget it yeah, some of the th some of the things that they say, like in my research, I had to actually Google to figure out what yeah. they meant by these words, because some of them I'm just like I've never heard this before. Um, so Fred lived in this caravan park with two children from his first marriage. He had a daughter named Anna Marie, and a stepdaughter named Charmaine. Did they say how old they were? Were they like 15? <laughs> no, they were younger. <laughs> Um, so, you know, Rose, uh, basically became a babysitter or in the UK, a child minder <laughs> That's uh, good to Fred's two girls. Um, but she noticed that like they were pretty neglected and they were kind of like starving for attention. So she was kind of taking on more of like a motherly role even though she was only 15 years old um so they used to go like he would take her out and do stuff like that um but he convinced her to leave her job at the bread shop um and become the full-time nanny for his two girls uh and fred would provide her with enough money um that when she went on Friday nights on payday, she could give it to her parents to convince them that she was still working at the bread shop. Mm -mm. Sneaky snake. Mm -hmm. 
A couple months later, after they started dating, Rose finally introduced Fred to her family, and they were shocked, appalled, at their daughter's choice of suitor. (laughs) So daddy can bang her, but he can't. Exactly. (laughs) That's fucked up. (laughs) That is fucked up. (laughs) So Rose's mother was unimpressed, thought he was arrogant, um... And thought he was also a pathological liar. Her father just was like totally disapproved of the relationship. And actually threatened Fred that he was going to call social services if he continued to associate with his daughter. So they basically told her that she could not see them. And what does any teenage girl do when you told them they can't do something? They do it anyway. She continued to see them. So they wound up calling Gloucestershire Social Services to explain that their 15-year-old daughter was having sexual relationship with an older man. And that they heard rumors that she had begun to engage in prostitution at Fred's caravan. So, in response, uh, Rose was placed in a home for troubled teenagers in August of 1969. And she was only allowed to leave under controlled conditions. Um, She would visit her parents on the weekends. That, I guess, was the controlled condition. Mm -hmm. Um, But, of course, she snuck out to see Fred when she would go. Now, on her 16th birthday... She left the um, home for the troubled teens and went back to her parents. <clears throat> but, f- and Fred was, ser- oh, while Fred was serving a 30-day sentence for theft and unpaid fines. Upon Fred's release, Rose left the parents' home to move into a, the Sheltonham flat that he had then lived in. Um, shortly thereafter, Fred collected Charmaine and Anna uh, Marie from social services um, and then Rose's father made one final attempt to prevent his daughter from seeing Fred. And Rose was examined by a police surgeon in February of 1970. I don't know what a police surgeon is. But but that dude, whoever he was, confirmed she was pregnant. Hmm. Maybe he's just like a doctor. Yeah, maybe like a like a like someone who walks along with the police. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, does like. Thought- I thought usually, like, just a regular, here, doesn't just a regular, like, doctor examine yeah. them and then give the report to the police? But it might be, like, back then like, and over oh, there. Yeah. You know, been, like, a specific person. Oh, yeah, because yeah. back then they had, like, doctors that did, like, house calls and stuff. Like, you really didn't go in yeah. to the doctor's yeah. office. So I guess. But after she was found out she was pregnant, she went back into the care of the, I guess, city, state, whatever. But And she was discharged on March 6th on the understanding she would terminate her pregnancy and return to her family. But Rose decided to go live with Fred, resulting in her father forbidding her from ever stepping foot in his household again. Uh, Three months later, they left the flat and relocated to the ground floor flat of a two-story house at Midland Road in Gloucester. Um, on the 17th of October in 1970, she gave birth to her first child, a daughter they named Heather Ann. 
Um, but there was some speculation that Heather Ann was actually the result of the relationship she had with her father. Hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. So her dad was still abusing her at the time? Well, yeah. So. I mean, she was still seeing him on the weekends, and she was still seeing him. And you gotta remember, like, when she went back to the family house and left the group home, Fred was actually in jail for 30 days or whatever. So, and then they examined her and she was pregnant. So, I mean, it's a good possibility that mm-hmm. the father, her father, was actually the father of Heather Ann. No. I know. Um, and then two months after that, Fred was in prison for the theft of car tires and a vehicle tax disc. Which is actually a license. Hmm. Alrighty. Uh, He remained in prison until June 24th, 1971. Uh, Rose, uh, who had just turned 17, was taking care of the three girls while he was in prison. According to Anna Marie, she and Charmaine were frequently subjected to physical and emotional abuse throughout the time they lived under Rose's care at Midland Road. But although Anna Marie was generally submissive and prone to display emotion in response to the abuse, Charmaine repeatedly pissed off Rose by her refusal to cry or display any sign of emotion, no matter how severely she was treated. Wow. So it was probably a coping mechanism, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, where she just kind of turned it off, but... um. So, despite all the years of abuse, uh, Charmaine, she had never, her spirit was never broken. Um, and she always believed that her m- mummy would come and save her. Uh, yeah, so apparently Charmaine would constantly piss off Rose by making statements like, My real mummy wouldn't swear or shout at me like this so i'm Um, assuming they just broke up and what uh charmaine's like mother oh charmaine's mother mother. um yeah and fred i guess were divorced Mm -hmm. so we'll get to her (laughs) um so a childhood friend of charmaine's named tracy gills who lived in the upper flat on midland road um would later recollect 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 i'm retarded uh an incident in which she had entered the west flat unannounced only to see charmaine naked and standing upon a chair gagging and with her hands bound behind her back with a belt as rose stood alongside the child with a wooden spoon in her hand So, according to Giles, Charmaine had been calm and unconcerned, while Anna Marie had been standing at the door with a blank expression on her face. Hospital records reveal Charmaine had received treatment for a severe puncture wound to her left ankle in the casualty unit at the Gloucester Royal Hospital in March 28th of 1971. But, of course, Rose said that it was from an accident, and then nothing happened, you know, from there. Rose is believed 
and Charmaine at this point in the 1971 is about eight years old. Mm. And it is believed that Rose killed her shortly before Fred was released from prison on June 24th, 1971. That's so sad. Um, They know that Charmaine was alive on June 15th uh, because they had went to visit Fred in prison. And by the time he was released on the 24th, she was dead. <sighs> yeah, so it, it was confirmed that, you know, she, uh, through odontology reports, that she definitely wa- did die before Fred was released. And it was even corroborated by Tracy Gill's mother, Shirley, that she was gone before Fred was released from prison. Um, Shirley stated that her family had lived in the upper flat of 25 Midland Road in 1971, and her two daughters had were playmates of Shirley's and Am- of Charmaine's and Amory's. Shirley stated that after her family had vacated the upper flat in April of 1971, on one day in June, she had brought Tracy to visit Charmaine, only for Tracy to be told by Rose she's gone to live with her mother, and bloody good riddance. Before Tracy began to cry. Okay. So she basically explained her Charmaine's disappearance to anyone who asked that, you know, she went to live with (laughs) Catherine Reno West, which was first Fred, Fred's first wife. Um, and that she even you know, told the primary school that she had moved to London with her mother. Uh, Fred was finally released. Um, He told uh, Anne-Marie about her sister's whereabouts and that her mother had collected her and returned to Scotland. So there's a bunch of different stories being thrown around. Yeah. Did he ever look into it or was just like, okay, who, Fred? Yeah. Oh, you'll find out. Okay. Um, in, Anna Mar- in Anna Marie's bi- autobiography, she said that um, she, who is a full English ethnicity, while Charmaine was part Asian ethnicity, um, and then when she asked Fred why her mother collected Charmaine and not her as well, uh, Fred replied, she wouldn't want you, love. You're the wrong color. Oh? <gasps> yep. What the fuck is wrong with That's these That's nice. <laughs> uh, she was initially stored in the coal cellar of Midland Road until Fred was released from prison. He later buried her naked body in the yard close to the back door of the flat, and he remained adamant he had not dismembered her. So he but, buried his own daughter after his what girlfriend killed her. Killed her. Yep. I was going to say, did he... Like, how don't... Yeah. He's just as sick as she is, so yeah. I really don't feel like he had any care in the world, honestly. Um, now, when they did a post-mortem on the body, when they finally recovered her body, Charmaine's, she was severed at the hip, 
But like I said, Fred admitted, like, was very, very adamant he did not dismember her at all. But they said that it could have been from work that was done on the property in 1976. Um, now, several bones, the patella, the finger, wrist, toe, and ankle bones were missing from Charmaine's skeleton. That were kind of thought that maybe they used them as keepsakes. Um, Rena maintained sporadic contact with her children on each occasion she and Fred separated. So she was in and out in her kids' lives. So she, I think if Charmaine's missing for a couple months, I guess it wasn't it too wasn't much. Noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was in and out of their lives. Um, she also. Which, Oh, so, uh, Rena, who is Charmaine and Anna Marie's mother, went and tried to figure out what was going on with her children in August of 1971. So, she went and visited Fred's family to find out where they were and if they were okay. Um, Fred's sister-in-law, Christine, later recollected that Rena was depressed and extremely anxious about her children's welfare. Um... After she figured out where Fred lived on Midland Road, she went to confront him uh, to demand custody of her children. Just a tiny bit too late. Yep. Yeah, and this she's she's so concerned and distraught, but you haven't where seen have you your been? children for months, and you didn't even know where they were living. Yeah. Yep. Where Where have you been? Well, Rena went to Midland Road, and that was the last anybody ever saw of her. Huh. Rena's body, um, oh wait, she's believed to have been murdered by strangulation, possibly in the backseat of Fred's car, um, likely while intoxicated. Her body was discovered a short length of metal tubing was found with her remains, leaving a possibility that she had been strained and subjected to a sexual assault prior to her murder. These people, they have no... Mm-mm. No care. Yep. She was then dismembered, placed in plastic bags, and buried close to a bunch of trees um, in Letterbox Field. On January 29th of 1972, Fred and Rose married. The ceremony took place in Gloucester Register's office. Um, and Fred incorrectly described himself as a bachelor on the marriage certificate. So he said he had never been married before, but we know that's a lie mm-hmm. because he was married to Rena. Um, but nobody was there. Nobody attended but them two. So, um, Rose was pregnant with her second child a couple months later. The couple finally moved from Midland Road to an address nearby which will be the address for the rest of the story, 25 Cromwell Cromwell Street. Um, Initially, the three-story house located close to Gloucester City Center was rented from the council. Fred later purchased the property from the council for 7,000 euro, which the um, euro to U.S. dollar rate is... 
one euro is one dollar and twenty cent American. Mm -hmm. um, so probably like close to eight grand. Yeah, it wasn't that much. Um, so in order to help push along them being able to purchase this property, um, many of the upper floors were converted into bed sits, which are basically rooms for rent mm -hmm. to supplement the household income. Uh, so to maintain a degree of privacy for his own family, Fred installed a cooker and a wash basin on the first floor landing in order for their lodgers need to not enter the ground floor where the West family lived. And only his family were permitted to access the garden on his property. On June 1st, Rose gave birth to a second daughter. People should be like sterilized mm -hmm. at birth. Like they should, there shouldn't be allowed to have kids. No procreation for you. And since her birthday was in June, and it was on the first, they named the child June. Their, May June. Oh, May June. M A E June. <laughs> um, after she gave birth to her second child, she began to work as a. Prostitute. Prostitute. <laughs> um, she used the upstairs room of the residence and advertised her services in a local contact magazine. Hmm. Uh, Fred encouraged her to seek clients in Gloucester's West Indian community through these advertisements. Um, in addition to her prostitution, Rose engaged in casual sex with both male and female lodgers within the household and individuals Fred encountered via his work. She also bragged to several people that no man or woman could ever completely satisfy her. Don't know why that was important. <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. It's very important. I mean, I guess if they're like having such a rough intro to sex. Yeah, yeah that's true. Like, you kind of just, you have like a, what's that, like a, like a negative distance yeah. or like you have like a um like a distance between like feelings and like you know and sexual encounter and yeah. sexual yeah so like you kind of don't it doesn't blend as it normally should yeah so uh when she ever she would have sexual relations with women she would gradually increase increase the level of brutality that she subjected upon her partners. Sometimes she would suffocate them or insert increasingly large dildos into them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And if the women, you know, showed any sign of, like, fear or resistance, it would excite her and she would ask, aren't you woman enough to take it? No. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Monica raises her hand. Monica's yeah. like, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I got this. Hold my beer. <laughs> yes. Um, um, so they regular, uh, Rose and Fred regularly uh, participated in threesomes. Um, they seek like women beyond their sexual limits like sessions involving bondage um oh, dominance pain violence 
Um, they, you know, collected a large amount of bondage, restraining devices, magazines, photos, videos depicting beach, bestiality, graphic, child sex abuse. And you lost all... you. You lost me at bestiality. Bestiality. Yeah. It's interesting. From that. From that. From that. From that on, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Out. Yeah. Um. So he, Rose was obviously in control of all the money. Um. Rose's room is what was called, uh, where she took her, I guess, clients for her prostitutions. Um. But it had that room had several hidden peepholes, which allowed for Fred to watch. And he also installed a baby monitor in the room so he could listen in on what was happening in the room. Uh, The room also included a private bar, a red light outside the door. (laughs) <laughs> a warning when Rose was not to be disturbed. Uh, and she had the soul key around her neck. Um, they even installed a separate doorbell that her clients were instructed to ring when they were there for their prostitutions. For their appointments. For their appointment. And then most of the money Rose earned went towards uh, stuff like home improvements. Um, now eventually... Uh, by 1977, Rose's father, Bill, had come to tolerate Fred and start to have a little bit of respect for him. <laughs> I have I have no idea how we got here. Um, but it apparently happened. Oh, God. Uh, so him and Fred thought it was a great idea that they were going to open a cafe named the Green Lantern. Um... <laughs> I think this was before before the before Ryan era. Reynolds before Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> um, but of course they were never able to pay the debts that they owed, and it failed. Um, okay, when Bill discovered Rose's prostitution, he would also visit to have sex with his daughter. <laughs> I'm done. I can't. <laughs> He would schedule an appointment. <laughs> yeah. do, you think, do, you, do you think? Do you think he was like, "Call me daddy"? <laughs> oh god! I, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, because he is. <laughs> it's like literally making my skin crawl right now. Like, <laughs> all right. So by 1983, she had given birth to eight children. Wow! At least three were conceived by her clients. I was just about to ask. Yeah. Yeah. How many were clients? Do we so, know if any of them were were bills? Oh, it doesn't say. Now, she probably has no idea who any of them belong yeah. to either. True. So Fred, you know, loves his wife and all that jazz. So he accepted the children as his own. Um, and when they questioned why their skin was darker than their siblings. <laughs> uh, they were told that their great-grandmother was a black woman. Huh. Oh. Uh, I mean, it's actually not that bad of an excuse. Yeah. And you kind of, like, you, it, 
you're kind of not making them feel it's probably yeah. the only good thing they ever did for their kids is like making them feel like they had like they were all siblings they were all and not making them feel like shit yeah yeah so they all can be tortured together <laughs> well that's i mean basically what was happening i i these kids definitely draw the short straw when oh, going yeah. into this family now, I, luckily, I think most of them are okay today, but that's a lot to overcome as a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when each of the children turned the age of seven, they were given daily chores to perform around the house. Uh, they weren't allowed to socialize outside unless Rose and Fred were present and had to find strict guidelines or else there was severe punishment. Always, almost always physical. Um, the children feared bringing recipient, oh, the children feared the violence that their parents, you know, were giving them. Um, most of it was actually inflicted by Rose herself. Uh, this, the violence was sometimes irrational, indiscreet, and just inflicted for Rose's gratification. She always took care not to mark the children's faces or hands in these assaults. Typical. Yep. Heather, then her younger brother, born in 1973, both ran away from home and they returned to Cromwell Street after several weeks of, like, basically sleeping on the streets or with friends. And then they were both beaten upon return. Um, between 1972 and 1992, the West children were admitted, uh, to the casualty unit. Now, the casualty unit, the local hospital, is basically our version of the ER, ER, the emergency room, yeah. A total of 31 times, and social services was never called because the injuries were always explained as accidents. I mean, That's a bit excessive, though. Yeah. 31 times is a bit excessive yeah. from the same family. Yeah. 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 Especially for injuries. They're like, if Mul- they're sick or something like that, be different. Yeah. But multiple yeah. injuries upon all your children. That exactly. Someone should have said something or reported something. Um, so, one time, on one occasion, Stephen, I guess one of her children, uh, was wa- was mopping the floor and Rose accidentally stepped in the water. In response, Rose held the boy over the, uh, his head over, wait, over, the, yeah, oh, hit the boy with the bowl, then repeatedly kicked him in the head and chest as she shouted, you did that on purpose, you little swine. Oh. This is why it took me a week and a half to complete this research. (laughs) Yeah. I had to stop a couple of times for a breather. Um, And if a couple of times Rose misplaced things, um, like kitchen utensils, and then she would grab a knife um, and do light scour marks to May June's chest until her ribcage was covered with eight knife wounds. Mm. All because she couldn't find something in the kitchen. Um, you know, all the kids, while they did this, stood by helplessly crying. Because, honestly, at that point, they knew if they said anything, they were going to get the same next. fate. 
Mm-hmm. Um, on one occasion in August of 1974, Rose chased after Fred with a carving knife in her hand. Fred was able to slam shut the door of the room and um, Rose, as Rose lunged at him, resulting in her, you know, cutting herself with the knife um, on her fingers. Uh, Rose calmly wrapped her hand in a towel and said, look what you did, fella. You got to take me to the hospital now. So apparently she just be calm as a cucumber. When it happened with Fred, but if a kid did something, she loses her goddamn yeah. mind. Mm-hmm. Well, um, she was already chasing after him with a knife, so <laughs> there's that. All right. Oh, God. All right. In September of 1972, the West led 8-year-old Anna Marie to the cellar at 25 Cromwell Street, where the child was to undress with Rose tearing her dress from the body upon noting the child's hesitation. She was then stripped naked, bound to a mattress, and gagged before Fred raped her with Rose's active encouragement. After the rape, Rose explained to the child, everybody does it to every girl. It's a father's job. Don't, Don't worry and don't say anything to anybody, making clear that the sexual assaults will continue. Oh, my God. I know. I'm getting, like, going to cry over here. Hold on. <sighs> um, so, Fred and Rose threatened the children with severe beatings if they ever received word that she had divulged the sexual abuse. Rose occasionally sexually abused the girl herself and later took extreme gratification in degrading her with acts such as binding Anna Marie to various items of furniture before encouraging Fred to rape her and forcing her to perform household chores while wearing sexual devices and miniskirts. Oh. Eight years these old. fucking poor kids. Yeah. Like, sick to my stomach. From the age of 13... Uh, Anna Marie was forced into prostitution in the household, and her clients were told that she was 16. Um, I'm assuming that was the age of consent. Probably. Yeah. I know, but it's still just like 16. 16. Well, she's actually 13, but. I know, but but like. But yeah, a guy sleeping with a 16 year old, yeah. Yeah. Well, 16 is the age of consent in PA. Yeah. Now, Rose also made sure that she was present in the room when her daughter was in these situations to make sure that she never revealed her true age. Um, like, oh, I'm a hall monitor. Like, mm-hmm. and, and these guys don't think it's weird. Like, So when, when Anna Marie was actually 13 or 14, they went to the local pub and had a couple glasses of barley wine, which is a strong ale with 6% to 12% alcohol by volume. Uh, several hours later, uh, Fred came to the pub to get Rose and Anne Marie. Um, Anne Marie was, you know, bundled into her father's car and beaten by Rose, who asked her, do you think... You could be my friend before she was sexually assaulted by Fred and Rose. On October 1972, the West hired 17-year-old Carolyn Owens as their child's nanny. 
they had picked her up uh, on a secluded country road, hitchhiking, heading to her boyfriend's house. Oh, after having visited her boyfriend's house. Um, learning that Owens, you know, didn't get along very well with her stepfather and was looking for a job, Rose and Fred offered her part-time employment as a nanny to their three children that were still then in the household with the promise she would be driven home each Tuesday. Several days later, Owens moved into 25 Cromwell Street, sharing a room with Anna Marie, whom Owens noted was heavily withdrawn. Uh, Rose, who had begun to engage in prostitution by this time, explained to Owens that she worked as a masseuse with the younger woman inquired about, you know, all the people that were coming in and out of the house. Um massaging that dick grab and tug <laughs> anyway so owens actually um rose and fred like kind of made sexual advances to her so she you know told them that she wanted to go home um knowing that she was going to be hitchhiking along the a40 back to her house uh they formed a plan to abduct her for their shared gratification uh the specific intent of this abduction was the rape and likely murder of Owens but that his initial incentive was to determine whether his wife would be willing to assist him in the abduction on December 6th of 1972 the couple lured Owens into their vehicle with an apology for their conduct and offered her a lift home uh, obviously Owens believed them um, and accepted their apology and got in the car um, Rose joined her in the back seat that saying she wanted to have a girl's chat while Fred drove. Uh, Rose began to fondle her as Rose question as Fred questioned whether she had sex with her boyfriend that evening. When Owens began, uh, Owens began to protest. Fred stopped the car, referring to Owens as a bitch, and punched her into unconsciousness. Before he and Rose bound and gagged her with a scarf and duct tape. Um, in her statement to the police, Owen stated that at Cromwell Street, she was given a drug cup of a tea to drink, then again gagged and subjected to prolonged sexual assault from the West. Um, they smothered her with a pillow and restrained her at the neck and performed cunnilingus on her. Um, realizing the gravity of her situation, Owen stopped resisting. Oh. Um. So the following morning, when she was uh, screaming, and one of the children her knocked on the door. Uh, Fred had threatened that if she did not stop that he was going to lock her in their cellar and allow his black friends to abuse her and that when they had finished they would bury her body beneath the paving stones of gloucester uh fred said that he'd killed hundreds of young women and that she would just be another one uh, and that she was actually brought to the house for rose's pleasure then they asked her if she would be willing to return to work as their nanny. <laughs> no. No. So she seen this as her way to escape, so she agreed. Um, she even, you know, went as far as to vacuum the house and do chores um, 
to show that, you know, everything was all good. Uh, but she did um, escape from the laundrette, which is a laundromat. Mm-hmm. Um, she went home, but she was too ashamed to divulge to her mother what happened um, when her mother noticed that she had welts, bruises, um, and stuff like that. Eventually, the mother persisted, and no one's finally told her what happened. They went to the police, and the West were arrested and charged with assault, indecent assault, and actual bodily harm and rape. Um, the case was tried at Gloucester Magistrates Court on January 12, 1973, but by this date, Owen decided she could not face the, the ordeal of testifying in court. All charges were dropped and the West agreed to plead guilty to a reduced charge of indecent assault and causing actual bodily harm. Each was a $50 euro fine or it's not dollar, 50 euro fine or euro, how do you say that? 50 euros? Okay, so 50 euros and the couple was allowed to walk free. Now that is equivalent, their fine was $60.39 basically. And they got to go home. Um, after she heard the news of them being let go, she attempted suicide. After Fred's arrest in 1994, Fred confirmed to his appropriate adult, which in English law is a parent, guardian, or social worker, or responsible adult over the age of 18. Janet Leach, that Rose murdered Shirley Robinson and assaulted her and dismembered her, personally removing Robinson's fetus from the wound in the process. What the fuck? Another body found at Cromwell Street was that of West's daughter, Heather, who was murdered in June of 1987 at the age of 16 after being abused by her parents all her life. Her dismembered body was placed under their family's patio. It was said that Heather began to tell her friends all about the abuse and in retaliation she was murdered. Barry, her younger brother, would later describe watching as a seven-year-old his mother kick Heather repeatedly in the head until she was no longer moving. Um, They convinced everybody that she went to work at a holiday village. Um, They sometimes would fabricate phone calls from Heather um, to kind of, you know, settle down their siblings' concern, her siblings' concerns. Um, that Fred even would taunt the kids by saying that if you don't behave, you'll end up under the patio like Heather. Um, this was the last murder that the pair committed in 1987. On August 6, 1972, Fred was arrested after being accused of raping his 13-year-old daughter three times, and Rose was arrested for child cruelty. Um, the case against them collapsed on June 7, 1993, when their daughter refused to testify in court. Now, all five of the West children were put in foster care. But it brought to light that the disappearance of Heather, who hadn't been seen since 1987, so which triggered a major investigation. Um, So how many kids did they kill off? Because there was initially eight, right? 
They had eight kids. Yeah, I'm going to go over the victims because okay. some of the research didn't go all over all the victims. Okay. Um, and, yeah, so after police found human remains and apparently signs of torture in 25 Cromwell Street, Rose, along with Fred, was arrested in February of 1994. So, I'm going to go... Where did I start? Okay, victims. Okay, so now this is going to be in chronological order. Okay. Um, so, their first victim together. Or, no, not the first victim. Rose's first victim in June 20th of 1971 was Charmaine West. She was eight years old. She was murdered before Fred was released. Um, most likely done in a fit of, like, rage. Um, and then she was stored in the cellar at Midland Road. Uh, before Fred um, eventually buried her body in the rear garden. On August of 1971, Catherine Rena Costello, 27, uh, she is the mother of Charmaine, and she went to 25 Midland Road to find out about her daughters, um, and he killed her so she couldn't, you know, go on and do any more investigations. It's believed that she was strangled and then... She was mutilated and then buried in letterbox field. In April 20th of 1973, Linda Gull, she was 19. She was the first sexually motivated killing of the West um, that they had committed together. Uh, she was a lodger at their house on Cromwell Street. Um, she was actually a shared sex partner with Rose. Um, after her death her mother came looking for her because um, she hadn't heard from her for a while and noticed that rose was wearing her clothes um, she was told that linda had moved to find work in another town um, and the, her remains were buried in an inspection pit beneath the garage which was later converted into a bathroom November 10th, 1973, Carol Ann Cooper, who was 15 years old, was last seen by her boyfriend boarding a bus to her grandmother's house. Um, and she was... She was the final victim that they found in the cellar when they were doing the investigation. Her skull was bound with surgical tape and she was dismembered and she was bound with corp... Cord and braiding cloth. December 27, 1973, Lucy, Lucy Partington, 21, was an Exeter University student. She was abducted from a bus stop along the A435. Um, they don't know her exact date of death. Um, they think it may have been a week after she disappeared, so like the beginning of January, because Fred had gone to the casualty unit at Gloucester Royal Hospital with a serious laceration on his right hand that on January 3rd and it's thought that that was sustained by dismembering Partington's, Partington's body. Her body was discovered on Cromwell Street cellar on March 6, 1994. April 16, 1974 Teresa Teresi Sigenthaler I don't know, weird names 21 
a sociology student at Greenwich Community College. She was abducted as she was hitchhiking from South London to Holyhead. Uh, Fred mistook her for a Swiss, uh, Swiss, even though, oh, she, she is Swiss, and he mistook her for Dutch and called her the Dutch girl. Um, she was missing, she was reported missing to Scotland Yard, um, when she stopped communicating with her parents in Switzerland. Um, he, Fred concealed her grave by building a false chimney, chimney breast on her grave. So I had to Google this. A chimney breast is, there's the chimney and then, you know, there's like the outer part of the chimney, like where, mm -hmm. so that's mm -hmm. what a chimney breast is. Okay. It's okay. like the, what pushes out to allow you to put the wood and stuff in. Mm -hmm. So I had to Google that. Uh, November 15th, 1974, Shirley Hubbard, who was 15, she was a foster child abducted from a bus stop um, as she was traveling home from a date. Um, she was last seen by her boyfriend and she was supposed to meet him the next day. Uh, her dismembered remains were found in a section of the cellar known to the family as the Marilyn Monroe. Her head had been completely covered in tape with a one-eighth inch of a diameter rubber tube inserted three inches into her nasal cavity to enable her to breathe. So they basically duct taped her whole head and just left a tube coming out. Yeah. April 12, 1975, Juanita Ma, 18. She was a former lodger at the house. Um, she was living with a family friend when she disappeared. Um, she was believed to have been abducted while she was hitchhiking along the B-4215. Um, Fred referred to Ma as the girl from Newent when um, they talked about her and when he made his confession that he killed her. Um, May 10th, 1978, Shirley Robinson, who was 18. She was another former lodger. She had been a bisexual and engaged in casual sex with Fred and Rose. At the time of her disappearance, she was eight months pregnant with Fred's baby. Hmm. And it was going to be, they were going to have a baby boy on June 11th. Uh, no sexual motive existed for this murder. And the reason for her murder was thought to be that her pregnancy would destroy West, the Rose and Fred's relationship. Oh. Originally, he was going to sell the baby, but I guess oh. they decided not to do that. Oh. Uh, August 5th, 1979, uh, Allison Chambers, 16. Uh, she had met them in mid-1979. She died as a result of Rose becoming too bloody vicious with her, according to Fred. They dismembered her. Um, she was missing several bones. And when they found, and when they found her, <laughs> she had a leather belt loop beneath her jaw and tied at the top of her head. She was buried in the garden. And this is the final murder where a sexual motive was established. So now they didn't kill again for eight years hmm. until June 19th, 1987. And Heather West was their last victim at the age of 16. Um, she was murdered, obviously, because she was um, planning to leave the household. And she started to tell some of her friends about the physical and sexual abuse. Um, now Fred said that he didn't mean to kill his daughter, but 
when her remains were found, um, she had been restrained and, you know, subjected to sexual assault. Her body was dismembered with a heavy serrated knife, and she was later buried in a hole in the garden, which Fred made his son dig under the pretense of installing a fishing pond. The 1994 police investigation into Heather's disappearance led to the discovery of her body and the arrest of both of her parents. Hmm. wonder if the son knew. I mean, he probably had some inkling, yeah. you know, something was going on. Where yeah. was I? Okay. So, of course, you know, Rose goes to trial. She's denying. It's Fred's fault. You know, everything that. Um, she tells her that he committed the crimes himself. She didn't know anything about it. Um, she claimed that one time she tried to stop him from sexu- uh, sexually assaulting someone. Uh, she said she was ignorant to his murderous activities. Um, but, you know, she was, evidence-wise, they felt she was significant enough to for her to be charged with 10 murders. Um, of all, and all the women that were at Cromwell Street and, of course, Charmaine West. Uh, Fred was charged with two further murders committed before his association with Rose. So he had killed two people before them. Um, while on remand uh, at HM Prison, Birmingham, Fred committed suicide by hanging on January 1st, 1995. At pre-trial in February, Rose pleaded not guilty to 10 charges of murder and two counts of rape and indecent assault, which was dropped, but her counsel conceded that circumstantial evidence indicated Rose's willingness to subject young girls to sadistic, physical, and sexual abuse. Her trial began on October 3rd in Winchester Crown Court. Um... An early decision by the judge was at, was to admit testimony related to the sexual assault of three women by Fred and Rose, accepting the prosecution's argument that it established, it established a pattern of behavior repeated in the murders. So, you know, sometimes if you have crimes before, they won't let you admit it, but the judge uh-huh. did. Um, in the opening statement, prosecution Brian Levinson portrayed Fred and Rose as sadistic, sex-obsessed murderers, terming the bodies discovered at Cromwell Street and Midland Road secrets more terrible than words can express. The victims' last moments on earth were as objects of the depravity of the, this woman and her husband. He pointed out that Fred was incarcerated when Charmaine was killed, claiming that Fred and Rose had each learned from their mistake in allowing Carolyn Owens to live. They would never be so trusting again, and said that the gag on victim Therese invinced, oh, I guess it portrayed a feminine touch as the scarf was tied in a bow. Um, they said that she was Rose was controlling and a sexually sadistic character. Um, with witnesses including Cromwell Street lodgers, victims, relatives, Rose's mother Daisy and sister Glennis, and 
surviving victims, including Anna Marie West, Catherine Halliday, and she was a former lover of Rose and Fred, Carolyn Owens, and a Miss A, who had been sexually assaulted at age 14 by Fred and Rose in 1977, all described Rose as the more aggressive perpetrator of the two. Um... Rosemary's counsel tried to discredit prosecution witnesses as either having financially exploited their connection to the case or motivated by grudges. Owens, though admitting to receiving 20,000 20, euros for her story, described her extreme survivor's guilt. I only want to get justice for the girls who didn't make it. I feel like it was my fault. Ferguson emphasized that Fred, before meeting Rose, had committed at least one murder, strikingly similar to those um, that they were dealing with at the present trial. Uh, he contended that Rose was unaware of the extent of Fred's sadism and urged the jury to not be per per prejudiced by her Pros uh, promiscuity and domineering matter. Against advice from counsel, Rose decided to testify. Her effects, sometimes morose and tearful, sometimes upbeat and humorous. She wept while describing herself as a victim of child abuse and rape who na naively married a violent and domineering man, but joked about issues such as her always being pregnant and laughed when describing one of the victim's glasses. Rose also claimed to have never met six of the victims buried at Cromwell Street and recall very little of her salt to Owens. When shown photographs of the victims buried in the cellar and the victims of, Al and of the victim Allison Chambers and asked by Brian Levinson whether she recognized any of the faces, Rose's face turned bright red and she repeatedly stuttered as she replied, no sir. Uh, when questioned about her life on Cromwell Street, Rose claimed that Fred uh, and Rose lived separate lives. But that was inconsistent with testimonies from the witnesses who actually had been at the address. Um, in reference to her relationship with her old, eldest child, Rose admitted her relations with Heather were strained before claiming to the court that her daughter was a lesbian who had physically and psychologically abused her sisters. Despite these allegations, um, she said that she loved her daughter and had no knowledge of her murder. Um, Rose claimed uh, the discrepancies um, that about the disappearance of Heather stemmed from the telephone conversation she had with her after she left home, but we know she never made those phone calls. Um, they, you know, brought a whole bunch of women um, who came forward and claimed to have been assaulted by a lone male whose description matched of Fred between 1966 and 1975. Um, these seven women each testified that they recognized their attacker as Fred when his photograph appeared in the media in 1994. Um... They wanted to portray Fred as capable of abducting, assaulting, and attempting to attack women without Rose, which the prosecution had never disputed. They basically wanted to show that he could do it on his own. Yeah. Um, 
The final witness at Rose's trial was Fred's appointed appropriate adult, Janet Leach, um, who the prosecution had called to testify on November 7th. In rebuttal to the tape recordings of Fred's confession, which he had been played, um, had been played in court on November 3rd, where he said that Rose didn't know anything about the murders. Um, she also testified that Fred began to open up to her and confided in her um, on the evening prior to his arrest that he and Rose had formed a pact whereby he would be take full responsibility for the murders. Um, and most of them were Rose's mistakes, he said. Um, that Rose killed Charmaine while he was incarcerated and murdered Robinson. He admitted he dismembered the victims, um, but Robinson's child was removed after death by Rose. And that right. Rose played a part in most of the murders. Now, uh, Leach did admit that she had sold her story to the national newspaper for 100,000 euros, which is approximately 120,000 US dollars. But she admitted that she was sincere in her testimony. Um, Leach eventually collapsed and the trial was adjourned for six days. She returned to complete her cross-examination on November 13th. After seven weeks of evidence, the judge instructed the jury, emphasizing the circumstantial evidence can be sufficient for a finding of guilt and that if two people take part in a murder, the law considers them equally guilty regardless of which of them did the deed. So then on November 21st and 22nd, the jury returned unanimous, unanimous guilty verdicts for all 10 murders. Terming her crimes appalling and depraved, the judge sentenced Rose to life imprisonment, emphasizing that she should never be paroled. But the Lord Chief of Justice later decided that she should spend at least 25 years in prison. But in July 1997, so she got a life in prison without parole. Then and, this, she's, and she's the first one, right? What? Who in got the, that? In the, in the UK, right? No. No? So she got that first. Then it, the Chief Justice said that she should at least do 25 years. Okay? And then she could be paroled. Then, in July 1997, Home Security Jack Straw subjected Rose to a whole life tariff. Okay, so a whole life tariff means you go into jail and you do not come out unless it's in a body bag. Oh, good. Yeah. Now, this was this. Your, this is your que answer to your question, yeah. Monica. This is the set. This is the second instance of a whole life tariff imposed on a woman in the UK in okay. modern times. The first being serial killer. Anybody know who it was? Nobody know? Anybody know? UK? What woman? No. Myra Hindley in 1990. Uh -huh. So initially she was incarcerated at HM Prison Bronzefield in Middlesex as a Category A prisoner. Had to Google this. Apparently in the UK, prisons are divided into four categories depending on the crime they committed, the sentence, the risk of escape, and violent tendencies. The higher the letter, I guess, the... But that was confusing. The higher the letter, the more severe. But are they doing A, B, C, D, 
and D is the highest, or are they doing D, C, B, A, and A is the highest? So I, I couldn't figure out that, yes. but I did try to Google it. Um, she was later transferred to HM Prison Low Newton in County Durham before in 2019 finally being transferred to HM Prison Newhall in West Yorkshire. Uh, almost immediately after being found guilty, Rose lodged an appeal against her term mur- 10 murder convictions with the high court claiming that her husband, who had confessed to police during questioning that he had murdered up to 30 people, had committed the murders single-handedly, reinstating her claims that she had also been victimized by Fred and that she tried to prevent one of the sexual assaults. Um, But of course, on March 18, 1996, her appeal was refused. Um, And in September 2001, Rose announced her intention not to appeal against her conviction anymore even though she said she was innocent. The house at Cromwell Street, along with the adjourning property, was demolished in 1996. The site is now a public footpath. According to the, according to the 2020 documentary, Rose West and Myra Hindley, their untold story with Trevor McDonald, Rose and Myra grew close in jail, bonding over their similar crimes then had an affair. Ooh. Uh-uh. Is Which, this on Netflix? I don't know. Maybe. You sick bitches so find it together. It. Yeah. It's called Rose West and Myra Hindley. Their Untold Story with Trevor McDonald. It's a 2020 documentary. Um, the affair eventually <laughs> cooled Excuse down me. as they became prison rivals to the prison royalty. So now they on two different sides of the yard. And that Damn. was the last update we have on Rose West. Hmm. That is the and, Rose and West we, story. And we know she crossed paths at some point with Joanne Dennehy. Oh, yeah. yes, that's true. I remember because remember yeah. she had to. That's Oh, that's why she got moved. Yeah. Remember we talked about it in Joanne Dennehy. She was moved prisons after dealing with her. Yes. Oh, snap. Crackle and pop. Good memory. Yeah, I don't, I think it was, let me see. So it was on the BBC. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense then. Uh, that's why I'm looking to see if I can find it. Like if it's on I know, like, a streaming service. On Hulu only has like the past like year, and then on their website is a Dateline 2020, right? No, in the year 2020, it was a documentary on the BBC. Ah, uh, oh, you were saying like 2020, <laughs> like Dateline 2020. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What I'm talking so that about. was like a long story, and this is why it took me a week and a half to get through all that shit. Yeah, that was long. Yeah, let me tell you something. I was like partially through it, and I was like, shit. I should have chose something simpler. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of information. And That's what Brian texted me. He's like, are you done? I was like, no. I said, Rob is still presenting. He's like, it sounds real quiet. I was like, she's got a whole lot of shit she's got to say. <laughs> yes. I always got a whole lot of shit I got to say. 
I feel like we just need to like jump right into the game because yeah. I just need to like go to sleep. <laughs> go, not even go to sleep. Like I just need my mind not not to, to be, be on Rosemary West. West. Yes, I told you it I, was a difficult oh, it's case. Like, um, what's it called? Like a like a brain, not a brain teaser. It's like after like a, you watch a horror movie, you have to watch a comedy before you can yeah. go to bed. <laughs> you need like something. I need. Yeah. <sighs> I can't. All right, so you're getting sent pictures because our game includes pictures this week. Can we open them or not yet? If it's Brian's dick, I'm going to be pissed. You would be very no, you happy. Would be happy. You would be so happy That's if right, that I was do the like case. To see dick, but I would be pissed. <laughs> Rabbit, you have voiced your opinions on my husband before, so yeah. Now he's a I've... turd, and I don't like him anymore. <laughs> I hope his dick falls off. <laughs> And then she'd pick it up and, like, use it. No, yeah, as a dildo. <laughs> I already told you I don't like severed dick. It don't <laughs> do it for it me. It doesn't turn her on. <laughs> oh. All right. Let's All right, hear this here scenario. We go. <laughs> I feel like we're just, like, in Spencer's. We are. Yeah, I think this. <laughs> and it's very fitting this week where, where we could be ourselves. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like this is going to come natural to us. All right. Here we go. <laughs> oh, my God. Where do I get the Midget Man Love doll? Sandy had that. You I did. did? She did have that. I'm yes. so jealous. It's stupid. All right. So so let me get onto this. Ready? All right. You and your sisters are the... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right already. Yep. It says... Wait. Oh, my God. This is completely accurate. <laughs> You and your sisters are the notorious whoresome slaughteresses. <laughs> I love it. That's our new nickname. <laughs> and have been carving up people from East Coast to West Coast. Yep. You have caught the attention of a Dexter-style copycat oh. who has decided to reign to end your reign of terror. Oh, this is yeah. good. Nah, dude. <laughs> Oh, he has already taken out two of your sisters, and it is now down to you and him. Bye, bitches. Yes. Mm -hmm. He knows all of your whorish moves. <laughs> <laughs> so you will need to outthink him. He has followed you to the mall, and as, as it is closed down, you have locked him in a Spencer's gift shop. <laughs> the next move is yours. You, you you may use anything you like, but must implement one of the following items in your kill. The Fatty Patty sex doll. <laughs> the Midget Man sex doll. And the glow-in-the-dark cock ring. Double, Double cock, cock ring. Double cock ring. Mm. All Robin, you are first. First off, I just have to say, I'm just like looking at this, and how is it the Fatty Patty Jumbo Love Doll is in the same size box, basically, as the Midget <laughs> Love as Doll? As Bridget the Midget? Next as to Bridget it. Bridget the Midget. Oh, no, it's Midget Man. It's no, Midget there's Man. a one next no. to it called, like, next Mimi. To, oh, I do Mimi, see Bridget the, the Midget. The Midget Love Doll. That's Bridget that, the Midget. That is Bridget the Midget. And do you not see how the boxes are about it's the, the same. same size? Same size. All right, so I know what Jim's getting for his birthday. Hold on, I'm, I'm going to go on. Jumbo I'm love going doll. on to Amazon. 
I'm just so curious. I'm pretty sure like, we've had these at some buy point. One of these and like blow. Is it like a blow up, like a balloon? Like yeah, no, it's a blow up doll. Oh, so okay. Ugh, Amazon does not have a fatty patty blow up doll. We'll just go. You to just Spencer's. need to go to Spencer's. Oh my God! It has three colossal love holes. Oh, Jim doesn't need that. I'm trying to read what they say. So, Midget Man, big things come in small packages. Perfect for bachelorette parties. <laughs> Birthday parties and carpool lanes. Life size. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what I got Monica for her bachelorette. I think it was. Oh, yes, 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 yes. That you did. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got Midget Man and Bridget the Midget. Do you right, not wait, still on. have those? Because I'd like to see no. them. I don't even think they came home with us. I think I, we I, left them I in the room. Might have. Um, just so you know, I think I might have to get this. It's a reusable mask. It's a woman blow-up doll. Hold on. Oh, God. Can you guys see this? <laughs> <laughs> that funny. is amazing. All right. And then Fatty Patty Jumbo Love Doll, it says, now that's a big bitch. She's large yes. and in charge with three colossal love holes. <laughs> the problem is, is these blow-up dolls are just full of air. Like, you can't kill anybody with yeah. air. Like, if Fatty Patty was, like, a legit person, can I bring Fatty Patty in? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dang it. How do they know she doesn't work at Spencer's? Like, she was the model for this doll. Oh, I know what I'm doing. Oh, my God. I know what I'm doing. Wait, oh, my God. So, they don't have it on Amazon, but when I Googled it, there's supposedly, this is a picture, and this guy dressed it up and said, new girlfriend, what's up? Oh my god. <laughs> All right, Robin, you need to go because I'm so excited. I know what no, I'm doing. I don't know. Well, we're at Spencer's and they have like a lot of stuff. They have a lot of stuff there, yeah. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I think I'm going to take the Midget Man love doll. I was going to do Fatty Patty, but I think I'm going to leave that. Because I want to embarrass Brian. Because I assume he's the Dexter-like killer. <laughs> well, so, fat, you can, we can buy Fatty Patty on weirdshityoucanbuy.com for yes. $19.99. So. I literally live not that far from a mall. Just go in and buy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do the Midget Man. And I'm thinking that I'm going to blow him up. Like, so, okay, so he locked me in the store, right? So we know that that's happening. I'm locked in the store with Brian, a.k.a. Dexter's wannabe. Um, And so what I'm going to do is, like, I'm kind of short and stuff. So, like, I'm going to hide in, like, the back room behind, like, boxes and stuff. So he can't find me. Because, you know, I don't want him to have the element of surprise on me. And, like, you know, get me in the neck with, like, some sleepy juice. I'm <laughs> going to, you know, come out and attack him like a tiger. <laughs> I have, like, an obsession with animals. You do. <laughs> Tag him like a tiger, and then um, 
I'm going to tie, I mean, they have so much stuff at Spencer's. So, like, they have rope, they have handcuffs. So, I'm, they like, do. going to handcuff him and, like, bind him up with the bondage shit and, like, you know, get him. I'm thinking I'm going to tie, well, yeah. So, I'm going to I'm gonna handcuff his hands. I'm going to tie the rest of them up. Then I'm going to find the biggest dildo they have. And I'm going to shove it up his butt. <laughs> okay? Like, shove it up hard. Knock him up hard. Knock, Knock him up, up hard. <laughs> With this big dildo. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to be like, whoops, and like accidentally let go. And then I'm just going to keep doing that. This is going to be disappearing dildos for <laughs> days. Like, I'm assuming at some point. Are we going for like the world record for the amount of dildos up someone's butt? Yes. Yes, that we are. And I'm just going to keep letting go until I can't <laughs> let go anymore. Until, like, the last one's just, like, can't go no further. And I feel like, like, that backup of so many dicks in your butt would eventually cause some serious health issues. But I'll probably just sit on his head and smother him to death. So what, so what are we doing with the love doll? So yeah, then, this is my grand plan. Are you ready? Then, once he's dead, I'm going to uncuff his hands and I'm going to, like, put the love doll, like, on top of him so it looks like maybe he got, like, you know, doing some weird sex shit with this midget doll blow-up thing and having a little too many fun with, like, 25 dildos in his rectum. And there you go. The police is going to be like, this is a sex act gone wrong. He's a real big fucking weirdo. But <laughs> with 25 dicks with in his With 25 ass. dicks in his butt and this weird <laughs> midget man blow up doll. <laughs> and that's the end of that. And then I'm going to escape Spencer's. Probably with 25 dildos for myself for later. <laughs> <laughs> and a fatty patty blow up doll. For Jim. For his birthday. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't need three colossal holes. He just needs one. He, <laughs> he needs, needs one to... small hole. <laughs> yep. That's it. Which Sandy cannot provide. Oh, That's dang. She just said you have a colossal <laughs> hole. I don't. I've never pushed anything out of it. Literally, all I need is a pinky. I'm good. Well, that's all so, Jim has. <laughs> yeah, so you're satisfied for we're life. Good. Yeah, we're good. So I am going with Fatty Patty. I'm ready. So I locked in there. But I've come prepared. I've been waiting. So in my little bag of tricks, I'm going to blow Patty Fatty up. But I'm going to blow, I'm going to use a filler inside. So she's going to be liquid inside and not air. And it's going to be. um, Heavy AF. Oh, God. I just, I I just literally lost the name. Hydrosulfate. Hydrosulfate. Is that the word? Hydrogen sulfate? Are you, you know the thing that burrs you? Sulfuric acid? Sulfuric, sulfuric yeah. acid. Sulfuric that's acid. it. Yeah. Sulfuric that acid. That would okay. melt fatty patty right away. Well. Yeah. It's not, like it, yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's going to stay damn. in there for a little bit. Yeah. We're going to pretend it. Oh, no. Ah. Okay. <laughs> So I'm going to blow her up, 
And we're we're gonna leave our sulfuric acid. In I my thought you were gonna fill it up with water. That would be pretty heavy and like just well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're still it. fill it up with water. We're still fill it up with water, and we're gonna place her in like the middle of the store, and we're gonna have like all the little like you know little clapping monkeys and stuff like that. So we're gonna kind of line them <laughs> around. <laughs> they have those at Spencer's. They do Where are now. We clapping monkeys. I, I, I think they do. This is crazy. So, I love it. So then I'm going to swap out. You know, have the mannequins in the store, like do 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 do. So I'm gonna be a mannequin. I'm gonna dress in like whatever clothing they want, and probably horror's clothing, and just my fat's just gonna be everywhere. Me and Fatty Patty are gonna be matching, and. I'm going to pose and wait for him to, like, come in. And he's going to be looking for me. But he's going to be drawn to Fatty Patty and all the monkeys. And I'm going to sneak up. And I'm just going to burn him. And he's going to be like, ah, I'm melting. And just fall over and die. Is he the Wicked Witch of the West? Yeah. I'm melting. I'm melting. We watch a lot of Wizard of Oz in this house. My kid likes it. So, But, yeah. Okie doke. <laughs> well, I actually wanted the cock ring, so thank oh you. God. Thank you very much. You're welcome um, very much. So uh, I am going to take out the bullets that are in the cock ring, mm-hmm. and I'm going to shove them down his throat and take the cock ring and stretch it around his neck. So that way it kind of chokes him. I mean, and I guess for fun, you know, I can tie. Chokes up his ass. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For fun, I'm going to take one of those. I'm going to take the big dick, you know, the Hulk. big dick. Yeah. I'm going to shove it up his ass. And I get like one of those, uh, those little pocket pussies and like put on his wang. So that way it looks like some kind of sex game gone wrong. See, we love those sex games. Yes. Wrong. Yes. So, that's it. So, but I want to like, go to Spencer's now. I know, I know right? Too. But I also need to ask, if anybody knows the amount of dildos you can stick up your butt till you can't stick anymore, please well, how, let hold us on. know. Well, well Google. wait, your, colon, your colon's like what? 19, 8, 12 inches? 19 inches? There's, no, it's like longer than that. Like, it's feet, it's feet long. Okay. It's feet long. It's feet long. <laughs> Let me see. How many dildos can I shove in my butt? <laughs> you stick up your ass. Um, I already told someone the other day, I said, if, if anything ever actually happened to my husband and they check my phone records of what I actually Google. We're all going I'm, to I'm jail. I'm going to jail. I just am. They're like, you're what guilty. Is, wait. What is the safest length of dildo I can take? Well, I would think like you would have to get. You could get if you're just if you're really trying to just shove and not worry about damage. Like you could probably go the oh. length of a colon. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> so the question is, this is on uh, Kuara. How many sex toys can fit inside the average man's anal cavity? Yes, we need to know. <laughs> this is res- this is someone's response. Average? I got two good-sized dildos up my ass once. I also got one dildo so far up my ass that I couldn't get it out. 
That scared me. How to use water to flush it back out. I once put 23 ice cubes up my ass. (laughs) (laughs) It says, I had been fisted before and really liked that. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But wait, the ice cube thing real fast. By the time you're shoving I the know, 20th, they're, melting. they're probably all melting. So you probably can stick a yeah. lot up there. So it's just... I'm thinking you can fit it. I don't, I don't think you're going to fit 25 dildos up there. But I have had seen like videos where like someone has gotten fisted up the ass to like the elbow. So that's yeah. like a good like 12 to 16 inches. <sighs> yeah. It's like literally going up to my throat. Yeah. Well, so, uh, so uh, you know, we had a patient back in the day who stuck I think I think it was a 15 inch curtain rod up there Dang. but he did per- he did perforate his bow at that point so like what? because because like... your 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 colon goes like so you have like your your spig boy colon which is like at the end it's like an s shape and then it kind of straightens out but it goes up to the side so like it perforated yeah. through his sigmoid yeah. so like I just want to know who's like hmm you, well, you need bendable things to show yeah, up there. Just, yes. I'm a little hoardy. Where's that curtain rod? Yeah. But he did put a condom on the end. So what he was about absolute it. I remember fuck. him. Yeah. Because the condom's going to give him an S- The curtain rod's going to give him an STD or impregnate him. Know. What was I the maybe point? He didn't want the, like, maybe, maybe he didn't want to get like metal poison yeah. or something. I, have like the, I still have the pictures. I'll show you guys later. There's no way the condom is... 20 or 12 inches long oh no no, no it was a regular cosm that's what i'm saying so what yeah. was the fucking point of this that i don't know that's but it funny. had one of those decorative balls so maybe he wanted to make sure the ball didn't fall off i don't know oh maybe but i'll show you just... i'll show you the pictures oh this is so weird to me okay i need to find this guy's information we have some talking to do <laughs> i have questions <laughs> i've also had a screwdriver up the bum too Oh, I don't. Monica's personal. No, not me personally. <laughs> not me no, personally. I know. I know. I just don't understand, like, just random household shit. Like, just, I'm feeling in the mood. What I got laying around. This hammer. I this like the 911 phone call where the guy's like, um, he's like, I have a bottle of shampoo. He's like, I slipped in the shower. And she's like, and you fell ass first on the bottle of shampoo. We actually, we had one of those. We had one of those at the other hospital that I worked for. Jesus. And that's what he said. He said he fell on his set, his light, his lights went out in the bathroom and he slipped and fell. But it just so happened that he fell onto the shampoo bile, uh, bottle and like perfectly the whole thing went up there. Yeah. Like you have no tearing. Like if you fell from like just standing onto a shampoo bottle and like that happened like you'd have oh, some terror yeah. yeah oh no he shoved that yeah. shit up there like yeah. why yeah. lie why lie like i don't yeah. understand they know the shampoo bottles up there poop. they gotta pull it out like come on yeah. now just be honest yeah. bro just just admit saw- it just own it own that you I like saw- to put shampoo <laughs> bottles up your butt just do it i saw videos like this one guy literally when they were pulling they were pulling stuff out of his butt like they pulled a whole potato and a whole jar of jelly that's an odd combination are, yeah i was just about to say those are the two oddest things yes. like, at least he could have did peanut butter peanut and butter, jelly right? yes okay wait i got a question for you yes so you know they make potatoes with faces on them so you can get your face on a potato and you could use that and shove it in your butt and you are having sex with somebody else because their face is on a potato i don't see why i, I, I don't want to do shove a potato <laughs> i know <laughs> 
It's not something on my bucket list. If somebody does, you can get somebody else's face on it. Well, wait, wait. I'll get Ryan Reynolds' face on my potato. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, So this is a true story. A woman cut a potato in half and shoved it in her vagina to use as birth control. Which, okay, it's a barrier method, so think like diaphragm or whatever. Mm-hmm. But she never removed the potato. She just left it up there. So it started sprouting. Oh, and she wound up getting, like, the sprouts, like, coming out of her vagina when they actually had to pull the potato out. Oh, my God. Well, when I worked in the OBGYN clinic, um, I sometimes would have to, like, sub and go in, like, the rooms to witness exams if we were, like, short-staffed. And this one girl came in, and she's been complaining of, like sex with uh pain like during sex and some like bleeding and stuff so the doctor's like taking her whole history this and that and the doctor's doing an exam and the doctor's like have you been to the beach recently i remember this (laughs) and she was like oh like two or three months ago the doctor pulled out a seashell out of her (laughs) from her vagina like the guy didn't feel that like when he went up in there no i like what how like she probably slipped and fell on it like the guy with the shampoo yeah like a whole how do you how's a whole Wait. seashell in your vagina. i want someone to get an octopus up there <laughs> just like <laughs> wait it's well it, it depends on her uh her sexual experience it could be a tiny seashell or it could be a conch shell you just blow into her vagina it's like <laughs> Just put your ear up to it. Be like, I can hear the ocean. Your vagina is so salty. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. We're fucked. We are fucked. We're fucked. Okay, so you read your meal. It's like past my bedtime. I'm old. Yeah. I know. I'm I'm dying. Okay, so we're doing Ronnie Lee Gardner. Oh, I know him. He, you know him? Yeah, I know him. Hey, cool. He's my bro. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do know who he is. But yeah. Okay. He got the death penalty for killing a man during an attempted escape from a courthouse in 1985. Mm-hmm. He was being moved within the courthouse for a hearing on another homicide when he shot an attorney named Michael Bodell. He, reme- he received life for the first homicide and the death penalty for the second homicide. He was executed by firing squad, squad in 2010. So, you're wondering, why is the firing squad still around in 2010? Well, it was the... Utah. No, this wasn't Utah. I forget where it was. I had it in my notes, and I didn't rewrite it. Um, But it was the first in 14 years the fire and scrub being used. And he sought this form out because of his Mormon background. Are you sure it wasn't Utah? Because I actually covered this. It probably was Utah. Yeah. I don't think it was Utah. Because he was the last Mormon. Oh. Maybe it was Utah. I can't remember. I ha- I know I had it written down, but I really don't remember. Yeah, Utah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So there you go. But it was the first time in 14 years. And I was like, Ugh. And then I started, like, a deep dive into the firing squad because I saw a picture and then I had to do all this research. But then getting back to my point. His last meal was actually 48 hours before his execution 
and his execution took place on June 18th at 12.15 a.m. He fasted uh, for spiritual reasons, uh, so he ate his last meal on June 15th. And during his fast, he was granted access to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm-hmm. He also requested that. His last meal was steak, lobster tail, apple pie, vanilla ice cream, and a 7-Up. But my Yummy. question is, he does the firing squad for religious purposes. He has to fast before he gets murdered or whatever because of religious purposes. Or before he goes to a lecture chair. Or, I mean, firing squad. But, um, murder... That was okay for religion? <laughs> like, Yeah, that's true. Second, two, two murders. murders. Yeah. It's like you're so worried about this religious stuff about everything else, but you go kill two people. I'm pretty sure I'm nowhere in there says thou shalt kill two people. He might have found, like, Mormon while he was in. Yeah, I don't, it is Utah. I don't know. They usually, the, usually a lot of times, religious. like, when they're in prison, they usually find a faith. Yeah. So he might have found his faith Maybe. while in it and then sought it. So. Sandy, this is actually like very coincidental because there is a man named Zane Floyd who is a Nevada killer who is seeking the firing squad for his oh. June execution. So we'll have to oh, we'll, we'll have to keep an update on that. I did see that. I was like, oh, I was like, I have to remember that, and I completely forgot until you said about the firing squad. Yeah, so I would he's definitely in Nevada. like to know if he gets granted yeah. that. Granted, yeah. yeah. So he's he's seeking the seeking the firing squad over inge- lethal injection. So, I think I would I be de- asked for like to be I don't know to be drowned. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you but, guys a picture because I looked up like all this stuff. So this was the I just sent you is the actual room that he was. He had the firing squad in, so he was on a metal chair against the wall. Oh. And they have two little, like, things for the gun, two little holes in the wall for the guns to come out. The police officers are all volunteer, or the, everybody who shoots are all volunteers from the police department. Oh, I see that. Okay. And you obviously don't know who's shooting. Yeah. And oh, there's, like, gun, all the guns are loaded, but only one yeah. or one's loaded with actual ammunition. Everything sure. else is blank. Yeah. Yep. See, and here I am thinking they take him out back. Well, that's how they used him. to do it. They would yeah. line, he would stand straight up. They'd line a bunch of people yeah. up, gave them all guns. One had the ammunition, the rest had blanks, and they all fired at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, boom, that's always how I died. pictured it. And then so, Yeah, I thought I it was s- just outside. But I guess for yeah. other purposes, that's probably not a good idea, like flying. Mm-hmm. But it you can see that's the room they use for, like, everything. Yeah. They had the lethal injection, injection chair. So, yeah. Um, I could imagine, like, laying in your lethal ejection and looking over and, like, just seeing your gun holes, like, but it was interesting. It was probably, like, the room was probably already set up like that, so they were like, this is yeah. probably just the best way to do it. Yeah. And that was probably, like, an old chair from, like, the electric chair or something that was there, mm-hmm. so. Because you can see the, uh, lethal injection table, so. Yeah. Man, that's pretty cool that they, like, not pretty cool he got, uh, like, you know, got the death penalty, but it's pretty cool that he was allowed to choose that option. Like, yeah. I, ne- I I didn't really know, like, that was, like, an, like usually you just go by whatever the state uses, which is mostly mm-hmm. lethal injection nowadays. So, it's kind of cool that you can request it. So yeah. I'm going to request some crazy shit if I ever get put on death row. Let's see what I, I would want. <laughs> 
I gotta think about that. Well, this guy in Nevada, it says it's been 15 years since the last lethal injection, so. So somebody's been since 2010, or, yeah, 2010. 2010 was the last one. That was him. Him, yeah, that's what I mean. So, and we're in 2021, Mm -hmm. so somebody had to be, if it's only been 15 years. Math. So we still would have six years. Somebody was in 2016 then. What Sandy. the fuck? Sandy. Sandy. All right. Math. So we have 21. Math. 21 minus 15. Oh, 11 years. 11 years. Okay. You're, both oh. of your math's well, I, off. It's, it's not it's been 15 it's, years. Yeah. I don't know. It's been 11. Yeah. It's been 11 years. I. It, this yeah. Is my so 2010 is 11 years. So it was four years prior to that. So 2010 was the last firing squad. Yeah. yeah. I know. She I'm got it now. I'm confused. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm so confused. so I'm we, we've, we've concluded that not only is words hard, but math is hard as well. She's a singer and a dancer, not a goddamn not mathematician. A mathematician. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is what happens when you try to record at 11 o'clock at night. Like, I told you girls, I don't, I don't do this late night stuff. So thank you for listening. We can be reached at themurdermaidens13 at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Maidens Murder and on MurderMaidens.com. Listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, and our website. Please give us a thumbs up, hit that subscribe button, and drop us a comment. Until next time, don't get murdered. Don't murder anyone. And don't do anything we wouldn't do. Ch-ch-ch-ch. Ah, 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 ah. Bye. Bye.